Heavenly Father, we thank you for your glorious gospel that has come to us uh, through your word that teaches us of your son and the good news we have. Father, as we look at it and think about it, and especially in light of the current crisis, Father, help us to, to listen to your word and to trust in you, to have faith in you. Father, give me the right words to say, Lord. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Verse 19. If only for this life we have hoped in Christ, if he's not raised, there's no resurrection, we are, of all people, most to be pitied. Verse 32, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Four times in the passage we, uh, Alistair read to us, four times Paul says, if there is no resurrection, then what is the point? If there is no resurrection, eat, drink, be merry. If there's no resurrection, um, who cares? You're going to die soon. You may as well just enjoy this life the best you can. If there's no resurrection, we, as in us who are Christians who have faith in Jesus Christ, are the most pitied people of all. Isn't that outrageous? If there's no resurrection, Paul's saying, living as a Christian is the worst possible thing you can be doing. If there's no resurrection of the dead, all of this is pointless, and there are loads of things you spend your time on better than this. If there is no resurrection... Let's all go home right now, crack open the wine, whatever. You're going to die soon anyway. I don't know what the life expectancy is in Middlesbrough. I know it's um, much worse that side of the parish than that side of the parish. But, you know, you can find your age, take that off the life expectancy. That's how long you've got to enjoy if there's no resurrection. So may as well make the most of it. Um, it's a strong statement when Paul says that if there's no resurrection, living as a Christian is the worst possible thing. And, and I want us to understand this because this is vitally important for how we walk as Christians and how we live now under COVID. Um, but before I, so we'll get to that, but I, I don't want to assume that we know what the resurrection really is, because the church in Corinth right now, um, it, who, which has been taught by the Apostle Paul himself, seems to not properly understand what the resurrection is. So if they can be confused, then we can be confused as well. Um, if you have a Bible with you and you look back at verse 3, it talks about how um, the, 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 the Corinthian church... So I haven't even opened my Bible. That's terrible, isn't it? I'm telling everyone else to do this. Um, the Corinthian church seems to be confused. Paul's come and he's preached to them about the resurrection, but they seem to think it's not going to happen. Or maybe they think that there's going to be like some kind of extra like ghostly afterlife, afterlife, but they don't think there's actually going to be a resurrection of the dead. Um, and so Paul says in verse uh, 3 of chapter 15, for what I received, I pass unto you as first important. Christ died for our sins, according to scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day. Um, Christ died for our sins. Christ was there nailed on the cross. He was actually bona fide dead. There wasn't like a fainting episode, or he didn't have a little nap. But he died, and, and he was observed died by a whole bunch of people, including professional executioners. And he was buried in the ground, and his body was there cold in the grave for three days and three nights. And then he was raised up again to new life. I'm just dropping things all over the floor here. Um, and then he was raised up again to new life. 
And that is a, a real, true life. He's not a ghost when he reappears. He is not a, um, like kind of a zombie who's come back to life and reanimated his corpse. But he is a real and living human being. A, a, a more real human being, if you like. Um, we here living on earth in our bodies are living in weak, fragile bodies. And when Christ is raised up, he's given a true and better, like perfect human body. It's a bit like the difference between... Um, have you ever... Um, you know, in the morning, you might have a glass of orange juice that's from concentrate and comes from Tesco's and is in your fridge. And it tastes of orange juice, right? But if you ever go abroad to a country where really actually oranges grow, you know, like not in greenhouses, but just wild, and you have fresh orange juice, you go, oh, this is actually what it's meant to taste like, right? That real orange juice is, is the real thing. Uh, but you still know that the concentrate's orange juice. It's just not quite the same. Christ's resurrection body is like that kind of real orange juice, okay? It's like properly, this is what it should be like. And we are living kind of this concentrate kind of life. So it's not that Jesus has this um, kind of fake different body, but he has a realer one than the rest of us. There's a bit after Jesus is raised up where he, he walks through a door at one point. They're all in a locked room and Jesus walks through this door. And it's not that he's a ghost, but more that the door's a ghost. He's so real that the door can't stand against him. That is what the resurrection is. Jesus Christ raised to a real human life this new perfect body and that's his body forever that he still retains now in heaven and paul says in verse 20 here he says christ has been raised from the dead and he's the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep um so say if christ has been raised up he's like the first one who comes before everyone who's trusted him will be raised up in the same way that first fruit is a picture of a harvest you get the first fruit, literally, that comes off the tree. And this is a picture of the rest of them. If this fruit's good, then the rest of them following afterwards will hopefully be good too. You know, your first apple that comes down, and you might taste it go, oh, this is a good year for apple. Or, or you have your first grapes off the vine, and go, this is a good year for wine. It's like Christ is that first fruits that come, and everyone then who comes after him is raised up like him. In verse 22, he gives another image. He says, uh, for there's a guy, Adam, as in Adam all die, so in Christ, all will be made alive. So Adam was the first man who was made, and from him comes death. Adam and Eve sin, and death kind of like descends from them down the family tree. So everyone's in the likeness of Adam, and everyone sins, and everyone dies. And that's just a, a, a fact of life. We all sin, and we all die. But now Christ comes, and if we're in Christ, just as he is made alive, so will we be made alive too. Just as when we're in Adam, we sin and we die. If we trust in Jesus, we're in Christ and we live. If Christ has been raised, so will we be raised as well. We're like um, entwined together. Where Christ goes and raised up, so will we go as well. There's this really odd bit, um, he says in verse 13. And I think it's odd because I think he's reported it the wrong way around. Right, in verse 13, if you have it, it says this. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Now, if I was to say that, I would say, no, hang on a second. If Christ hasn't been raised, then we won't be raised either. But Paul doesn't say that at that point. He says that if we're not raised, Christ hasn't been raised. You see, it kind of feels like the wrong way around. I get how if Christ hasn't been raised, we can't be raised. But Paul's saying, no, if we aren't raised, then Christ wasn't raised. He's effectively saying... If we don't get raised from the dead, 
that means Christ can't have been raised because the whole point of him being raised up is to bring the rest of us with him. So if, he has, if we aren't raised up, then he hasn't been raised up. It's a bit like if you were to go to a restaurant. Remember when we used to do that? Um, and, and you kind of met your friend beforehand. And your, Sorry, your, your friend said he went ahead of you beforehand. Your friend goes into the restaurant and gets your seat and texts you, say, oh, I'm here, I have a seat. If you get to the restaurant and they say, oh, no, there's no space, there's no one in there, if you can't get in, that means your friend hasn't got in. So if I can't get into the restaurant, that means my friend can't get, hasn't got into the restaurant. In the same way, if we aren't raised up, that means that Christ hasn't been raised up. We're so closely linked with Christ, if we're in him, that because he's raised from the dead, we will be too. You see the confidence we can have. Has Christ just been raised from the dead? Yes, we just confessed it in the creed. Christ has been raised from the dead. Therefore, if you believe in him, you will be raised dead likewise. There's no way of avoiding that. Where he goes, you will go as well. Where he has been raised up, you will be raised up in the same manner as him. He is the first fruits. We follow after him. How, how does this help us? Well, it, it puts all this life in perspective. Because it shows that this life is not all that there is. Afterwards, there is a resurrection, an eternal life with Christ. Um, let me give an example from a kids' TV show I used to watch, which you might have watched with your kids or yourself. Um, there was a kids' TV show in the 80s and 90s called Fun House, right? Um, I was going to show a clip of this, but it looks awful these days, and I'm actually not sure we need to see it. Um, but the, the point of the TV show was um, two teams of children competed against each other. The winning team got to go and run around this fun house. Right, which is a massive soft play. Helen's nodding because she needs to watch this when she was little, right? Um, uh, it's this massive soft play, and, and, and in it, it's like great. I was so envious as a child. I wanted to go on this and run around this huge soft play with like ball pools and like there's toboggans you can slide down and like foam appears, and it's great. Um, and, and they have this time limit to run around the door. And, uh, but the point of it is not that they get to run the fun house. The point of it is there are loads of prizes that they win. And they want to go into the little section and pull down their prize and get the prizes. And at the end of it, however many prizes they've grabbed, they get to keep those prizes. And there's a special bonus prize, like a family holiday somewhere they get to. So um, when they run into it, they don't like, spend time enjoying the fun house. Right? They don't kind of like go, oh, I'm going to enjoy the slides loads, or I'm going to play in the ball pool. They just dive in, grab the prize, and run out of it again, which kind of feels like a waste in one sense. You're like, well, surely you want to enjoy the funhouse and all the pleasure it has. But they just run in, get the stuff, and run out again. But it's because they know there is something beyond it. They want the prizes. They want, the, they want what comes after it. They, you know, that's, that's their focus is not on the now, but on the future. So they can give up the joy of playing in the funhouse because they know that the, the prizes that come afterwards are much better. So if, if, if there was no prizes... You may as well just have fun in the fun house, right? Just enjoy it as much as you can. The time will run out and you'll have to leave. But if there is a prize afterwards, if there is something beyond that, then who cares about enjoying it now? Like, look for the joy ahead. Um, I don't know if that helps or but do you see how that, our life is like that now? Like, because there is something greater beyond this, that actually giving up joy or giving up things that we might think can make us happy now is, is fine because there's something beyond this. If there's nothing beyond this, eat, drink, and be merry. Enjoy the fun house, enjoy, enjoy everything, take pleasure in what you can, because at the end of life you'll die and that'll be it. But if there's something beyond this, then, then we should uh, be happy to give it what we have now because of what comes ahead. If there's no resurrection, 
living as a Christian is the worst possible thing. But if there is a resurrection, living as a Christian is the only rational way of living. Um, Everyone believes, really I think deep down, that this life is all you have. Um, You maximize fun, you need to maximize happiness, do what you can to to make your life secure and give you joy. You know, there's the whole YOLO, like you only live once thing. Like just take advantage, make every opportunity to to get the best you can. Um, Whenever you, not whenever, often at funerals people go, oh, they lived a good life. That kind of thing. Um, and kind of the idea is that death is this false stop. So get everything in beforehand. If you've got a bucket lift, tick it off beforehand. But that's not true if there's a resurrection. This life is like a short slither of a prequel. It's the very minor thing that comes before the true raised up life with Christ. Um, at the start of COVID, um, I remember there was two kind of competing arguments going around. Some people were saying, oh, I feel really sorry for the elderly during COVID because these could be their last few years of life, and they're living it kind of behind a locked door, not able to go out and enjoy themselves. And others will say, no, no, I feel really more sorry for the young people, because they're missing the most important years of their life. But the resurrection says both those things aren't true. These are not your last few years of your life. They might be your last few years of your life, living in this body on this earth. But there is a resurrection to come of eternal life, if this life is all that there is, then sure, you can go, I need to maximize my final remaining years on earth. But if there's a resurrection, you don't have to worry about that. Likewise, if you're, if you're thinking, oh gosh, I'm wasting these important years of my life when I'm young, then again, that's, that's not true. There are, there are years to come with Christ in glory, eternal glory with him. I don't want to unsympathetic because it's rubbish lockdown it's just awful and and i get why it's that i'm not objecting to it at all but it's not how humans are meant to live with lack of contact and the rest of it but but this is a in the perspective of the resurrection this is a brief trial and we can afford to sacrifice things knowing of the resurrection head look just wider than covid look how this frees us to live um Someone I know did a gap year, and they went to a place, not actually dissimilar to Middlesbrough, like a kind of a, a, a town with a bad reputation up north, you know, that people kind of talked badly about in the press. And their other friend did a gap year, and they were going off the classic six months kind of working and then six months in Southeast Asia. And this other friend couldn't understand why this person was doing a gap year in this you know, grim northern town, as people like to call them. But the point was, they were like, well... Like, if, if you've, got a, you know, you've got this one gap here, maximize your fun before you have to go to university and get a job, then of course you want to go and do all these things. But if there's an eternal perspective to hand, why not give up nine months, 12 months of your life to serve in a church in somewhere grim? Why, why not spend your time doing that? Or um, say there's people who we know, all of us I'm sure, who are living lives that are celibate. They have said, I am not going to get married. For whatever reason that is, whether that's because of their beliefs about sexuality, whether that's because of their um, commitment to going to do mission abroad, or whatever that is, they said, I am not going to get married. Now, in this culture, people go, that's nuts. Obviously, you want to pursue happiness, and that means getting married or having a partner or whatever it is. And if this world is all that there is, that is nuts. But if it's not, if there is a resurrection to come, then being celibate for 60, 70, 80 years is a sacrifice, but but a sacrifice worth it in light of eternity. Or the people who we know who, who spend their lives, their, kind of their golden years, caring for sick relatives who are ill. And people go, oh, it's a shame that you can't enjoy your time. 
But again, these things pale in light of eternity. It's not a waste of life. Um, after Paul writes letter 1 Corinthians, he writes a second letter, 2 Corinthians, unsurprisingly. It's a sequel. Um, and in it, he says these words. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly, we're wasting away. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. I love that phrase. What are all these awful things happening to us? They are light and momentary troubles in light of the eternal glory that comes ahead through Christ. Light and, and Paul is a guy who has been beaten and whipped and jailed and half his letters are written from prison. And he says these are light and momentary troubles in comparison to the eternal glory that far it's more. So, he carries on saying, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what we see now is temporary, but what is unseen and eternal. Brothers and sisters, as we face more time during lockdown COVID, more life that we think, oh gosh, we're, we're losing out and wasting, this is a light and momentary trouble in comparison with eternal glory. If there's a resurrection of the dead, which there is because Christ has been raised up, then we can live lives of sacrifice, of love, lives that seem wasteful to the world, but actually are achieving for us an eternal glory. Let me finish with this prayer that I sometimes use at funerals. It's a collect um, that is used as evening prayer sometimes, a night prayer rather. Um, and it goes like this. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, you who lay in the tomb and so hallowed the grave to be a bed of hope for all who put their trust in you. Give us hope in you that when these bodies lie in the dust, we may live with you forever. Amen.